As we continue in our series in the book, as we continue in our series called The Church, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps and turn to Acts chapter 14. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Acts is located, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents in the front and find the New Testament. There are two sections to the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament. Go to the New Testament. You'll find that Acts is the fifth book of that section. So New Testament, five books in is Acts go to chapter 14. If you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and there you're going to find that Acts is about two-thirds of the way down that list. Uh, So find Acts and go to chapter 14. A couple years ago, uh, my wife and I and the kids decided that we would drive up to Williams, Arizona, you know, drive up I-17, go spend the weekend in Williams, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, relaxing, having fun with the kids. And so we drove up and and took a a trip up there. And on our way back, we're driving along and all of a sudden the traffic stopped. Middle of nowhere on I-17, we're stuck in the middle of traffic. We've got three kids in the car and they're all kind of getting uncomfortable and hungry and needing to go to the bathroom. And the traffic was simply not moving at all. We were at a total standstill and it was a miserable experience. We sat there for over an hour and a half and it was awful. It was miserable for everyone in the vehicle. We were all getting hungry. We all needed to go to the bathroom. We all were tired of just sitting and waiting on this highway. Well, fast forward after a little over an hour and a half of waiting, uh, traffic finally started moving. And turns out as we got further down the highway, we found out that an RV had accidentally gotten in a wreck, had rolled over and had caught fire and they had to shut the highway down to clean that up. That road, that RV had created a roadblock which affected everybody that was on the highway at that time. It affected the person who had had the wreck and it affected all of those drivers, all of those cars, all those semi-trucks were affected because of this one roadblock. And again, it was a miserable experience. It drove us all crazy. Have you ever experienced a roadblock? Yeah, we drive around town and you inevitably run into construction and that construction slows down the traffic or stops the traffic for a time or you're driving on the highway and similar to the story I just told, you encounter an accident, a wreck, uh, somebody pulled over and everybody slows down and it creates this roadblock, this traffic nightmare. So we've all experienced roadblocks or, or slowing or stopping of traffic because of an accident or construction or, or something like that. And none of us like those kinds of experiences. But have you ever experienced what seemed to be a roadblock in your faith or a roadblock in sharing your faith with others? Well, in today's account from the early church, we're gonna see how Paul and Barnabas go out into the mission field and seemingly experience what we might think of as roadblocks. Things that 
are resisting them sharing the good news of Jesus with the people who are around them. So I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Acts 14, starting in verse 19. Now, as you're finding verse 19, let me tell you what has happened in the rest of chapter 14 so that you have an idea. You see, Paul and Barnabas have been sent out to be missionaries. They're going out and telling the non-Jews, the Gentiles, about Jesus. And in chapter 13, they, they have some experiences where they encounter people that resist them and, and try to oppose the word of God that's being spread. But people come to know Jesus at the same time. Well, in chapter 14, they're continuing that journey. They've come to a place called Iconium. And in Iconium, uh, they are going around, they're spreading the gospel, and they find out that there is a group of people that are gonna try and take their lives. They're gonna try and kill them. And so they slip out of Iconium and move out to the rest of the country. They go to town to town. This is kind of a rural area that they're in. They're going town to town and telling the people about Jesus and starting churches and doing all this great work. And then we come to a place uh, where they come to a place called Lystra. And in Lystra, they heal a man uh, who is crippled. They heal this man um, and start telling people about Jesus. And between the miracles and everything else that's happening, the people are amazed. They're so amazed that they think that Paul and Barnabas are Greek gods. And they start trying to set up sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas as if they are the gods of this Greek mythological system that the people of Lystra believed in. And so they try to offer these sacrifices and Paul and Barnabas quite narrowly convince the people not to offer sacrifices to them because of course that's opposite of what God's word calls us to do. Now pick up in verse 19. So remember, the people have been amazed. Uh, they think that Paul and Barnabas are gods and they've just been convinced to not give sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and he entered back into the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in their faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Basically, in this account, we find that Paul and Barnabas are experiencing resistance and persecution at every turn as they're going and spreading the gospel of Jesus. To the point, Paul was even stoned. And let me unpack this for just a moment. If you have a queasy stomach or sensitive ears, you may want to mute this for a minute. But stoning was a practice where they would take you and put you in a low place, either a pit uh, or a low place on the ground. They would throw you down there and people would pick up large stones and start throwing them at you, basically beating you to death 
threw stones being thrown at you. And once they got tired or if they wanted to finish you off, they would grab the biggest stone that they could find and they would drop it on you. It's a horrific action. It's a violent, violent way to pass, to die. And this is what Paul had to go through. Can you imagine being in that situation? Can you imagine sitting and being in Paul's shoes, being stoned. He was beaten so badly by this stoning that they thought he was dead. Basically, they, what it appears happened was they kept throwing the stones and they thought that he was dead, so they never brought in the big stone and dropped it on him to finish the job. They thought he was dead, so they take his dead, what they think is his dead body, and they drag it outside of the city and leave it there. Can you imagine what that must have been like? So Paul goes through something that you and I will never experience. Now, I do want to point out one thing uh, before I get into today's lesson. Look with me in verse 23. It's the last verse that we read. Verse 23, it says, and when they had, had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is uh, one of the early mentions of the appointing of elders into the leadership of church. You know, we recently, just in the last couple of years, um, have appointed elders for our church. It's something that's brand new uh, to the life and the structure of our church. And here, and in many, many other places, we see that this is one of the structure systems that God has placed within his church. If you go and read Titus and uh, 1 Timothy, you actually read about qualifications for an elder before an elder can be appointed to the position of helping lead a church. Now here at First Southern, let me be very clear. We are congregationally led, which means the church as a whole has a say. They vote on the important matters of the church. So what is the role of the elders in our church? We have committees that run the business of our church. So we have a, a stewardship or a finance committee. We have a personnel or HR committee. We have a buildings and grounds committee that takes care of the physical campus that we have and, and a few others. Those committees run the business, the day in and day out business aspects of our church and oversee and hold those aspects uh, in accountability to make sure they're running properly and in a godly way. So what's the role of the elders? Well, the elders are the spiritual caretakers of our church. And so if you think of our committees as being the business caretakers, the, the nuts and bolts caretakers of our church, the elders are the spiritual caretakers. So they oversee our theology, our beliefs. They make sure that me and our other pastors and our staff are, are staying in line theologically with God's word, with what our church values and believes. They're also someone that holds me as the lead pastor accountable. So if I get out of line, which believe me, I am not a perfect person. I make mistakes all the time. The elders are the ones who have permission, as everybody does, but they're in a special position to come and pull me aside and say, Pastor Chad, why did you say this or do this? Or why don't we do this or this or this? They hold me 
accountable. They watch over and make sure that I'm doing a good job as the lead pastor of this church. And so if you ever have questions, we are going to start advertising who our elders are. We're gonna start talking about uh, who they are and how you can reach out to them if you've got questions. And so just FYI, we do have elders at this church and we do that because the Bible tells us to, because it's very clear in God's word that elders are supposed to be part of the structure that God has ordained over the church. And I'll be talking about elders more and more, but I just kind of wanted to scratch the surface as to why we have elders, what their job is, and I'll explain there's more to their job, but I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit of what they do here at First Southern. But please hear me, eldership is very biblical. It's mentioned here in Acts 14, verse 23. And again, we're gonna see the mentioning of elders and their leadership, all the rest through the book of Acts moving forward. So uh, you'll hear more about this, but just know that's the beginning start. That's what elders do here at First Southern. So Paul and Barnabas are out spreading the gospel of Jesus all over the place. They're doing an amazing job of leading people to the life-changing hope of Jesus but they are encountering resistance and persecution at every turn. And this leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched one of my messages or listened to one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that summarizes the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this, spread the gospel no matter the risk. Let me say that again. Spread the gospel no matter the risk. You see, making disciples is not an option. It's not just a job that, that pastors are supposed to do or ministers are supposed to do. We are all, as followers of Jesus, commanded to go and make disciples. It is not an option for the follower of Jesus. But let me tell you the, the, the main passage, the main command from Jesus that tells us to do this. If you were to go into Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, it's the very end of the book of Matthew. If you were to go into that book, you're gonna read the last, the closing statements of Jesus, the last command that he gives to his followers before he ascends and goes up into heaven. And listen to what he says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Please hear me very clearly. We are all, as followers of Jesus, we are all commanded to spread the gospel no matter what the risk. It is a command. It is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It is a black and white command directly from Jesus and is repeated over and over through the Bible. Go and make disciples. In other words, go and lead people to the life-changing hope of Jesus, helping them come to in, come to accept the invitation from Jesus and become, make Jesus their Lord and master so that they can follow him and live their lives for him and tell others about him. It's not an option. It is a mandate. It is a command. 
But we've got to be very clear here. We are commanded to go and spread the gospel no matter what the risk, and there will be risk. You see, we are guaranteed by God's word and by Jesus himself in his word that if we are his disciples, if we are his followers, persecution will come. Look with me, look and see what Paul and Barnabas say in verse 22, for instance. So they're talking to uh, the people of the town of Lystra and look at what uh, they're encouraging them with. It, It says, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples. So Paul and Barnabas are strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and catch this part and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Tribulations, persecutions, difficulties are guaranteed if we are a follower of Jesus, if we're truly following him, we will experience difficult times. We will experience resistance. We will experience risk, but we're called to spread the gospel no matter what the risk. There's an ancient church follower, uh, church, church father named Jerome great man of God. He, he did some amazing things to, uh, that affected us as Christians even today. But I want you to hear a quote from Jerome. Jerome says this, the church of Christ has been founded by shedding its own blood, not that of others, by enduring outrage, not by inflicting it, Persecutions have made the church grow. Martyrdoms have crowned it. We need to be very honest and open and transparent about the fact that if we are truly following Jesus, we will endure difficulties. We will endure persecutions. Jesus guarantees this, as a matter of fact. In John 15, verse 20, John 15, verse 20, Jesus says this, remember the word that I said to you, And this is the word, a servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You see, the encouragement here is that they will do to us what was done to Jesus. And what was done to Jesus? Many people believed in Jesus and followed him, but there were also those that persecuted Jesus even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when we follow Jesus, we must understand that persecution will come. It's a fact. It is a matter of fact for the follower of Jesus. But here's the thing. You know, the the big idea is share the gospel no matter what the risk. But I think that most people aren't sharing the gospel. According to statistics, Americans are dismally poor at sharing the gospel. We don't do a good job of this. And it's my opinion that the vast majority of the time that we don't share the gospel, it has nothing to do with persecution. Most of the time when we don't share the gospel, it's because we've created roadblocks for ourselves. We have created scenarios in our own minds and hearts and in the world around us that prevent us from taking the step of sharing our faith, of leading 
every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We struggle to do that because we've created roadblocks for ourselves. You see, let's think about this for a second. We do not live here in the United States. We don't live in a country that it's illegal to tell others about Jesus. It's not illegal to go to church. It's not illegal to pray. And yet we don't tell people about Jesus. Even though it is completely legal to do so, we don't do it. And so why are Americans so unlikely compared to other Christians in other nations, why are we so unlikely to tell others about Jesus? Well, I think that we have self-imposed roadblocks that we have put up ourselves. You know, I told you the story of being stuck on I-17 and how it was a miserable experience for me and everyone around me, but that roadblock was created by someone else. What that person did affected them and everyone behind them. But I think when it comes to sharing our faith, we're the ones who put up the roadblocks. We're the ones that keep ourselves from moving forward in our faith. And today I wanna give you three roadblocks that I think that we as a, the American church tend to put up. And the, the purpose of this is to recognize what the roadblocks are in your life. Because if you can recognize what holds you back from sharing the gospel, you can move the roadblock and you can start to share the gospel with others. So there are three primary roadblocks that we as Americans struggle with in sharing the gospel. The first one is that we are overly concerned about safety. And this goes right back to the idea of persecution. John 15, 20 guarantees that if we are followers of Jesus, Safety is not what we should be seeking. A true follower of Jesus is going to experience persecution. I'm not saying that you should go out and find someone to beat you up. That will happen just by your sharing the gospel. And I'm not saying you're gonna get beat up. In America, we're not gonna get arrested for telling someone about Jesus. But we may be rejected. You know, we, we fear rejection because that compromises our emotional safety. We fear being mocked because it compromises the safety of our ego and our self-esteem. You know, we fear not knowing what to say. What if, I hear all the time, well, what if I mess up? What if I say something incorrectly? Well, let me just give you some encouragement. If you're a true follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit will give you words and will equip you. And the Holy Spirit will also help the person you're speaking with to receive and understand what you're trying to tell them. And let me be quite honest. Most of the time when you're sharing the gospel, the person you're speaking with is not looking for the deep theological truths that you're afraid that you don't know. Usually that person is just looking for the fruit of the spirit in your life. You see, if you live and you treat others by the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, if you would simply live your life by those fruit and treat others with those fruit, that speaks so much. You see, when you are speak, when you live out love and peace and patience and all the rest of the fruit of the spirit, 
when you start talking to someone about Jesus, they're gonna listen because you've shown what Jesus has done and how he's changed your life. So you don't have to worry about what to say. Listen to what Colossians chapter four, verses two through five says. It urges the believers to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with clarity, but also guarantees, it also helps us throughout the Bible know that the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. So what are the self-imposed roadblocks that we put up in the way of sharing the gospel? Well, the first one is we're overly concerned with safety. I would go so far as to say that we as Americans have made safety an idol in our lives. We are far too concerned about our own safety, physical safety, emotional safety, self-esteem safety, financial safety. We're so concerned about our safety that we've kept ourselves, we put that safety has placed a roadblock between us and our ability to tell others about Jesus. So what is that aspect of safety that you have created a, an idol in your life with that prevents you from telling others about Jesus? Is it rejection? Is it being mocked? Is it not knowing what to say? Whatever it may be, pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to God that he would remove that idol, that roadblock that's in your life. So that's the first one. The second one is I think the second roadblock is that we are too obsessed with comfort and not just physical comfort, but just comfort in general. We've gotten too comfortable with having freedom of our time. You know, I wanna get off work and I wanna go home and I wanna sit down and I wanna relax. I don't have time for sharing the gospel with people because I need my leisure time. That's the worship of comfort. We, we get obsessed with um, being worried about political correctness and, and getting uncomfortable with people. Guys, let's be honest, ministry is messy. Ministry means that you're gonna have to get uncomfortable, but we're so obsessed with our comfort that we're not willing to step out of that comfort to share the gospel with those who need it. And so for us, we've got to quit being obsessed with it. And let me be very frank here. I think the last aspect of being obsessed with comfort is that we're quite frankly obsessed with our laziness. We go to work and we work our 40, 50 hours a week and we just don't want to give anything else. We have a bad attitude. We don't care enough about people. We aren't compassionate enough for the spiritual deadness of people to overcome our laziness and share the gospel with others. And I know I'm sounding condemning, but I think we need to open our eyes. We need to take a hard look in the mirror and realize the ways that we prevent ourselves from doing the simple great commission, that Matthew 28 passage that I read you, following the great commission to go and make disciples. It's not that we can't go do it, it's that we have decided not to go do it because we're obsessed with safety and we're obsessed with comfort. Those are the two. The third one is that we're too focused on our selfishness. You know, we're, we're obsessed with our safety. We're, we're, we're overly concerned about it. We've made safety an idol. We're obsessed with comfort and we wanna be comfortable and we don't wanna step out of our comfort zone. We like our lounging and our leisure and our hobbies and all the things that we spend our time doing and we forget to tell people about the gospel. And that all feeds into the last one, that we're too focused on our selfishness. 
We're too worried that we're gonna lose a relationship. We're too worried that um, our lifestyle is going to be compromised. When in reality, we don't live, as followers of Jesus, we don't live a selfish lifestyle. We don't have a selfish attitude because that's the opposite of humility. We're supposed to be living selflessly. That's the very definition of humility. According to the book of Philippians, humility is recognizing that others are more important than you are. It's putting others first. If you go into Matthew 22, what does Jesus teach is the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That is humility, thinking of God and others before your own concerns. But we're obsessed with safety, we're obsessed with comfort, and we're obsessed with our selfishness. We have made idols out of these three things. And those idols have prevented us from following the simple great commission to go and make disciples. So those are the three primary roadblocks. I think all of our excuses for why we don't share the gospel can be kind of packed under those three reasons. We're either too concerned with safety, too concerned with comfort, or quite frankly, we're selfish. So what do we do about these roadblocks? I told you that this kind of sounds condemning But we need to look in the mirror and realize why we don't share the gospel so that we can do something about that. So what can we do to overcome these roadblocks? I think there's three things that I wanna encourage you today to overcome these roadblocks. The first is understand what Jesus did for you. Was Jesus obsessed with safety? No. He literally put his life on the line all the time for you. Was was Jesus obsessed with comfort? No. As a matter of fact, he did the opposite of seeking comfort for you. Was Jesus selfish? No. Jesus was and is the son of God. He lived a perfect existence in heaven where he was worshiped and he was never uncomfortable. He was never unsafe. He was never in a dangerous situation. He was worshiped. He was was, uh, literally angels bowed down to him. He didn't even get uncomfortable. And he left that perfect existence and came to this earth He was tempted, he suffered, ultimately he died to forgive you. That's the gospel. And when you realize what Jesus has done for you, it changes your perspective about how you approach others and why sharing the gospel is so important. Understanding what Jesus did for you can tear down the roadblocks that you either have consciously or unconsciously put in the way of the gospel message. And maybe you're listening right now and maybe you don't believe in Jesus, but maybe what I've just said about Jesus forgiving you of your sins by leaving a perfect place of safety and comfort and and self-focus to come and be in a dangerous place and be uncomfortable and, and live in humility, maybe that sounds appealing. Maybe 
a perfect God coming and dying for you is something that you wanna know more about. And if you do wanna know more, please reach out to us. Go to our website, to the contact us page, click that direct link that is on this video post right now. Click that link, go to our contact page, fill that out and we will reach out to you. Please reach out to us. We would love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus and what he did for you and what he is calling you to. So please reach out to us right now. Jesus gave everything. And when we understand that, that can help us start to tear down the roadblocks that keep us from telling others about Jesus. That's the first thing that we can do to tear down the roadblocks. The second thing is to understand and embrace mercy and grace. And this goes back to the first point. Jesus died on the cross to save us, give us mercy. He's rescuing us from the consequences of our sins. And then he blesses us, he gives us grace. You see, mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve and grace is getting the blessings that we don't deserve. So when we understand that we are receiving mercy and grace, it compels us to go take that mercy and grace to others. So understand what Jesus did for you, understand and embrace mercy and grace. And lastly, understand and embrace humility. We must, as followers of Jesus, live a selfless life, placing others as more important than ourselves. That is the call of Jesus. So when we recognize that we are to be looking out for others and leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus, it helps us tear down those roadblocks. By sharing the gospel someone, you're basically saying, I'm not gonna be selfish, I'm gonna look out for your interests. It shows that we care about them in Jesus. We've gotta lay down our lives We've gotta lay down our safety and our comfort and our selfishness so that we can lead people to Jesus. That's what Paul and Barnabas did here. Think about that traffic jam that I got in on I-17. Everyone affected by that roadblock was affected negatively. When we don't share the gospel because of the roadblocks that we've placed in our own lives, it affects everyone around us, including ourselves, it affects everyone negatively in, in the spiritual sense. So here's my question. What are your roadblocks? What are the things that you have put in your life? What are the things that you've made idols or that you value too much that prevents you from sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing the life-changing hope of Jesus with everyone around you? What are those roadblocks? Let's go to the Lord and let's ask him to help us understand what those roadblocks are and ask him to remove them. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time where we can study your word and, and worship and pray. And Lord, we ask you today to help us to recognize the roadblocks that we've put up in the way of your gospel, the ways that we've hindered us from telling others about Jesus, from sharing the life-changing hope of Jesus with others. Help us to recognize what the roadblocks are in our lives and help us through your spirit to remove those roadblocks. Give us strength, give us the courage 
and give us the will to remove the roadblocks and to begin telling others about Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.